This morning at Mass, when I was listening to the readings, I realized I'd missed my opportunity. One of my favorite lines, not, my, not the absolute favorite, my favorite is John 21, 12, Jesus said to them, come have breakfast. But one of my, one of my other favorite lines in scripture was in the first reading today. You duped me, O Lord. <laughs> you duped me, O Lord, and I let myself be duped. <laughs> Oh, it's one of my favorites. And I always like to think the guy who translated that line, whenever he, uh, <laughs> I like to think whenever he's, uh, here's that line, uh, whoever translated that, he must just chuckle to himself, he or she, and think, I got duped into translation of scripture twice in the same line and I got away with it. They read it at mass and everything, you know. Uh, all right, I got it together now. One of my favorite movies of all time is this movie called A Man for All Seasons. It's about the life of St. Thomas More. St. Thomas More lived about 500 years ago in, in England at the time that King Henry VIII was breaking away from the church. And he stood up for the rights of the church and, and the truth that the church has been founded and willed and built by Jesus and he lost his life for it. He was executed. This movie, A Man for All Seasons, it's an oldie but a goodie, and it has great dialogue. There's this key moment at the end of the movie when St. Thomas More is on trial for treason, and a former colleague and acquaintance is called forward to testify against St. Thomas More, a man named Sir Richard. St. Thomas, the whole court, and the viewer of the movie all know that what Sir Richard has come forward and said, testifying to the guilt of St. Thomas More, is a bold-faced lie. Everyone in the room knows it. Yet now the king has what he needs to put to silence St. Thomas, to put him to death, and so everyone just goes with it. As Sir Richard leaves a courtroom, St. Thomas notices that this Sir Richard is different than the last time he saw him before, Sir Richard was this recent college graduate, basically, begging for a job from anyone he could, including uh, St. Thomas More, and uh, just looking for his first opportunity. But now, in the courtroom, Sir Richard has fine clothes, beautiful robes, and a brand new chain that he's wearing that at that time signifies he has a new job. St. Thomas asks him, what is the chain of office you're wearing? The judge chimes in. Sir Richard has been made the Attorney General for Wales, an important position. St. Thomas ponders this a moment, and then he looks at Sir Richard right in the eyes, and he says, Richard, it profit a man nothing to gain the whole world, but to lose his soul. But for Wales? When St. Thomas says that line, of course the ridiculousness of what Sir Richard has done. Tell this bold-faced lie in court, a friend going to death because of it, so he can get this new job. Of course the ridiculousness of that comes forward. But also this line, it hangs heavy in the air. And you can see the moment of regret and sadness cross over Sir Richard's face. 
Richard got what he wanted, a great job and a great career. And the story ends by telling us that Sir Richard goes on to get the highest job in the entire land, Chancellor of England, one step below the king himself. And yet to get it all, he sold his soul. Remember for Sir Richard, the point is that it's not just that he got a new great job and career. The point is, it's what he had to pay to get it. Jesus' words in the gospel doesn't t- do not tell us to not seek new jobs. And it doesn't tell us to seek new jobs and create careers. It just says, hey, one way or the other, remember, your soul is more valuable. And I think this is the beauty of the gospel teaching. A well-ordered soul, a soul focused on the will of God, a soul focused on the love which comes from God, on his peace, his joy, his consolation, a soul that's focused on that, whether it has honor or wealth or pleasure or great jobs or influence or power, a well-ordered soul can handle all of that. And it can profit from all of it. Because the soul offers it in gratitude back to God, a soul goes through it all for the greater glory of God. Equally, a well-ordered soul can handle poverty. It can handle dishonor. It can handle a lack of influence. It can handle suffering with the same disposition. Gratitude to God, offering it to the glory of God, a desire to build up his kingdom. And so the opposite is true too, huh? for a disordered soul that's focused on the less important things. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. No amount of wealth, no job, no career, no compliment, no amount of friends can satisfy that soul and can turn it around and can win back his soul. I think that this points to the freedom that Jesus Christ wants for the soul. And it's the reason that Jesus is teaching his disciples this. He wants to give them freedom. He wants to give them freedom from all these worries and cares. And he's saying to them, the state of your soul and your well-being is not determined by external stuff. Some of it we need, and we take care of our material needs of ours and our families, and great, do it for the glory of God. But he's saying to them, Never get money, influence, reputation, job, whatever, what have you. Never let any of that get you confused about the state of your soul. And I think if we go back to that movie, we can see it. At the beginning of the movie, Sir Richard is in this lowly place without a job begging for work. Sir Thomas is Chancellor of of England, St. Thomas More, highest job in the land. By the end of the movie, St. Thomas is in chains, going unjustly to his own execution. Sir Richard has this great new job and career path. And yet, which one is the free man? It's not the guy with the great job. It's the guy going to his execution. In his heart and in his soul, he is free because he's focused on heaven. I wonder if this teaching today It profit a man nothing to gain the whole world but to lose their soul. I wonder if that's less of a do this and don't do that 
but more of how does a Catholic Christian view the world? Yeah, we're going to take action based on this teaching, but I think Jesus offers it to us today to first reevaluate how is it that I view the world? How is it that I take stock of how I'm doing? Is it based on the things of God? As St. Paul says, be transformed. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. I think this teaching is like new eyeglasses to put on. If we take it seriously, if we reflect on it, if we pray with it, it can help us to see things, our own life, a little bit differently and a little bit clear, more clearly. It, help, it can help us to take stock of where my soul's at and to prioritize that and to bring it and offer it before God. Where have the, the less important things snuck up on me a little bit? It happens to everyone, and it's okay. But it becomes an opportunity for grace. And so everyone, let's let this teaching, I think, let it, let's let it lead us prayerfully to take stock again on the important things and on the state of our soul.